Hello. And politics is silliness most of the time. That's a fact. Welcome to the tail end of something to rant about. So now we're getting into the meat and potatoes. Yes, right? so something to talk about. Right, something, something to rant about. You have to pay for <laughs> something. Something real dumb. Something real that, dumb. That was earlier. You all missed the something real dumb. But you don't miss that. Things, it's every week. Things seem to be working this don't week. Don't say as far, it. As far as we can tell, you'll jinx it. So we shall see. Yes, because I'm overly worried about superstitious jinxing and stuff. Knocked on wood. <laughs> that just reminds me of Hanna Barbera cartoons, but it reminds me of the what doesn't John Leguizamo's character from Encanto. He knocked on his head. Yeah, that's I. I didn't realize. I mean, I did. Somebody told me that, but Who, it was John Leguizamo. Yeah, when I was watching, I didn't realize it. I'm like, oh, I can. Oh, I love. I can recognize his he's voice. He's hilarious. He is. He is yeah. He's been in a lot. He does a lot of voice acting. Yes. But yes. anywho, welcome to... Because he's very good at it. Something so to... So why would he not? Something to talk about, but we don't talk <clears throat> about Bruno. Well, Bruno is not the center of our podcast. That's true. I don't know if you know this or not, but the center of our podcast is trying to connect the reality of God to the realities of life. I did know that. And we try to orient everything around that concept. Despite to, what we did. To the extent <laughs> that we accomplish that, we have a meaningful and hopefully listenable podcast uh, to the extent that we don't, we get our normal procedures. So uh, we're still working on getting better. We've only been doing this for, you know, five years. Right. And I got to tell you, I've been working on this for 50 years and I'm still working on orienting my life around Christ at the center. And the, that's really what discipleship comes down to is learning to orient our lives as if, the reality of God is the reality of our life. And when we don't do that, when we, when we have other things at the center, then we are lapsing really into idolatry and we can spin it. However we want to spin it. We can pretend that it's something else, but it's idolatry. And as we're looking at the book of numbers here in the first couple of chapters, we're already getting into, you know, even though we're talking about censuses, right. And, but boy, how impractical can it be? You know, we're looking at you know centuries BC, millennia ago, counting up families and and people and and why? That's well, why when I first read this, I was like, yeah, Bora, Phil. But when we take a look at at what God is saying through it in the yes. in the whole package, and again, we need to look at it in its context. We need to look at it in in its genre, we need to look at it as far as how it fits into the overall story of scripture. And when we do that, then we can begin to put together the pieces that God is actually telling us something. There's a reason he decided to include this in the scriptures, not only for the ancient Hebrews, but also for us today. And so as we, as we see this um, playing out among the Israelites here, and we were just talking with your mother before we started that, uh, Hebrew, Israelite, Jewish, for most purposes today is r- roughly synonymous in how we use it. They're not the same thing, but uh, we generally use them in a mm-hmm. roughly synonymous way, um, going from the, the bigger to the smaller group as it funnels down to, to really the, the line of Judah and the, the southern kingdom, the remnant of Israel. Uh, that's where the, the term Jew comes from, is from, uh, from Judah. And so as we uh, are looking at this in this early part, this proto-Jewish establishment of the Israelites 
um, those who have descended from Jacob, from mm -hmm. Israel, were following the line of Abraham's promise. <clears throat> and as God has promised uh, Abram, later Abraham, in Genesis 12 and repeats it in 15, um, God's going to bless all nations through him. He's going to make a great nation of him. He's going to bless all nations through him. Those who bless him, God will bless. Those who curse him, God will curse. And as this is, is moving along, we're coming to a fulfillment of that. Uh, this is post-Exodus, right? Mm -hmm. So the uh, the book of Exodus ends with for several chapters there at the foot of Mount Sinai. They've escaped slavery in Egypt. They didn't really escape it. God delivered them. There's a, a, a pretty significant uh, difference between recognizing what um, what I think I've done, right, right, in in escaping, versus what God has done for me in delivering and redeeming. And when we when we realize where we are it's easy at least it's easy for me maybe it's not for everybody it's easy for me to get lost in the fact you know the intervening time mm. uh is is very short but the intervening book seems to be a lot so we're removed from exodus and i think especially because uh so often we are not preaching these in a line it's been several years now since we went through leviticus together um and even more since we went through Exodus. So, you know, did Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, now we're in Numbers. But in between, there were a lot of other uh, right. books of the Bible that we looked at. So you're about a month removed from from leaving, uh, from, from getting out of Egypt, right. right? Now, as they are gathered, they've received the law, all the instructions that God has given to them. He's preparing them to move into the promised land and God organizes them. And he, he instructs Moses at the very beginning. In fact, uh, the, the first verse of the book, the first verse of this chapter uh, is the Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month, <clears throat> excuse me, of the second year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. He said, take a census of the whole Israelite community by their clans and families, listing every man by name, one by one. And he gives them uh, who is going to help with this. But he specifies a little later on that it's not just you're taking a census of every man. You're taking a census of every man who can serve in the military. Mm -hmm. uh, verse 14, after uh, he points out their names, he says, these were the men appointed from the community, <clears throat> the leaders of their ancestral tribes. So God is dealing with the tribes and the individual people. Uh, they were the heads of the, the clans of Israel. Moses and Aaron took these men whose names had been given, and they called the whole community together on the first day of the second month. The people indicated their ancestry by their clans and families. And the men, and the men this is the phrase that we're going to see repeated, the men 20 years old or more, were listed by name one by one as the lord commanded moses or as the lord commanded moses i had the wrong emphasis there uh the, <laughs> there's a comma uh and if i had my reading glasses on i would They're see right that. there i know it. <laughs> um, don't be stubborn but now that i've done it i have to force <laughs> myself through it okay so the people indicated their ancestry by their clans and families and the men 20 years old or more uh, were listed by name one by one as the Lord commanded Moses. And so he counted them in the desert of, of Sinai. And in each one of these things, he goes through this 12 times. Uh, for example, uh, for the first, 
from the descendants of Reuben, the firstborn son of Israel, all the men 20 years old or, or more who were able to serve in the military, serve in the army, were listed by name one by one, according to the uh, records of their clans and families. And then he gives the number uh, for Reuben is 46, uh, 46,500. But for each of these families, it goes through all the men 20 years or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name. And this is, is the pattern. Why does that matter? Because we need to always, and this is a really important thing as you're reading scripture, whenever you're seeing a passage, look for patterns, look for the repeated words. When we see a word that is repeated, that uh, is an indication that this is something that the author wants to emphasize. The same as in any other conversation, right? If I'm talking about a thing over and over and over again, there's a reason for that. Right. So we want to look for transitions. We want to look for repetitions. And in this uh, this first chapter, especially, there there is a repetition of uh, this phrase, all the men 20 uh, years old or older uh, who are able to serve in the army. And then uh, he, he positions them a little later on. But another important repetition is this idea that um, they did just as the Lord commanded Moses. And we'll see that throughout the book. There's uh, some of the structure to it is grouped by this phrase as the Lord commanded Moses. So we start, uh, the Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting, and then he told him to do this. And then we get to the end of it, in, uh, verse 54 of chapter 1, the Israelites did all this uh, just as the Lord commanded Moses. And then in chapter 2, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, and he tells them what to do, and, he, and this has to do uh, with their positioning around the tent of meeting. And then you get to the end of it, uh, verse 34 of chapter 2. So the Israelites did everything the Lord commanded Moses. Uh, that is the way they encamped under their standards, their family uh, crest, so to speak, their, their flags. Uh, and that is the way they set out each with his uh, clan and family. So uh, there's this book ending of God said it, they did it. God said it, they did it. And that's a pattern that we look at. Where it gets sideways for them is when God says it and they grumble about it instead right. of doing it. Rather than actually acting on God's word, um, they they may do it, but they do it with a grumbling heart. Or they may not do it because of the grumbling heart. But in any case, when they do exactly as God commands, things go well. When they do things their own way, it doesn't go well. We'll see a little bit more about that next week as we see how he's chosen and set apart various tribes to serve and worship. Now, as we see these repeated uh, phrases, it, it gives us this picture of what we see in chapter two, which is entirely about their positioning. They are gathered around. I'm going to actually put my glasses, I was say, on. Put your glasses on. I just couldn't uh, allow myself to give in to the weakness there at the beginning. Uh, so in chapter two, now you've been broken down. I, well, I made my point to myself. Okay. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, but I had to make my point to myself. Ah, that's a very man. thing. <laughs> I, I'll embrace it because as you may or may not know, I am a man. What? So, yes. I, I know that's controversial in 2022. We could get banned from the internet now for saying that, but it is true. It's not from meta. It's not that I identify that way. I actually am. It's a it's a real, objective, external fact. Okay. Uh, chapter 2, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, the Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting, camp around the tent of meeting, some distance from it. Each man under a standard with the banners of his family. And then he goes through on the east toward the sunrise, 
the divisions of the camp of Judah, and then he goes goes through and positions each of them, and and uh, and they do this according to the um, to the word that the Lord had given to Moses. So as they are um, doing all of these things, they are gathering around the whole uh, community, right? They're going to be facing toward the uh, facing toward the tent of meeting. Um, I think that's all I wanted to say about that. I'm try, <laughs> trying to remember if there was something else I wanted to, to draw out, but I, I think that was really basically what we wanted to see is that God positions them all around at a distance from the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting and the tabernacle, this holy place, is where the Lord meets with Moses. It's where he speaks to his people, and he places himself no longer on Mount Sinai where he you know, when Moses goes up in the book of Exodus and receives the law from God, only Moses is allowed to go right. up. Uh, there are some uh, who are called to go partway up. I never knew that. You mentioned that on Sunday. I was like, that's news to me. Yeah. Mostly because Anybody I, else, you set foot on the mountain, you die. Right. I didn't realize that he just didn't, like, go from where everybody else was to the top of Mount Sinai. I didn't realize others had gone, were, like, camped out at the bottom for a while. That's because of Hollywood. That was. That was my Charlton <laughs> Heston. Well, yep, you me, know. me too. And, and that's one of the struggles, I think, for a lot of us is, it, it, don't get me wrong, uh, Ten Commandments is a great movie. It, it, um, it, groundbreaking in so many ways. Special effects seem weird and dated to us today, but in the 50s, this was like, wow, this is a big deal. Um, it's got Yul Brenner. I mean, come on. How can you go wrong with that? He's, so let it know. be written. So <laughs> the Pharaoh can only be Yul Brenner. I, right. I think in reality, we'll, we'll find that he actually <laughs> <Pharaoh> was. was. <laughs> but, but, you know, the and it's a good thing in many ways for us to be able to, to connect the dots through these movies. That was the goal of uh, many of the people that were making. Not for everyone, because not everybody has the same purposes. But you look at like a Cecil B. DeMille and some of these others. It was There was a goal to make money. Right, right. We're going to make an epic movie. This is an epic, epic story. Money. These are the biggest thing. But for a lot of these producers, it's it's more than that. We sure. want people to actually see this great story. Some of them actually have a relationship with the Lord, and some do not. But you know, most of these movies are being made by uh, a combination of Jewish people and Catholic people and, and Protestant people, uh, but people who are one way or another committed to the Lord. So. The good part is there, but the bad part is we have a tendency, shocker, to be lazy. Sure. And and so we don't, st and this is not just people reading it, this is preachers. You know, the, the reason I'm preaching numbers is because I was afraid to preach numbers. Same reason I preached, you know, Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus is, ah, boy, I'm, I'm scared of this. You know, right. it's, I'm more comfortable with the New Testament epistles. They're, they're clearer, it? you know, even with the gospels, which are, I think a little tougher to preach. I, I, I think narrative for me is a little bit more difficult than discourse type stuff. But as we're um, looking at it, there we have a we have a core conviction mm -hmm. because this is the word of God. Going to preach all of it, and so my conviction and my commitment to the Lord is that I won't shy away from preaching any part of what the book says. We're going to preach through it, but. That doesn't mean I'm not petrified you right. know, in doing it. And so for a lot of us, we've never we've never heard these books preached on right. Sundays. And and honestly, if you're doing it in a half hour homily in the middle of your liturgy that's you know relying heavily on uh, illustrations and, and things to to bring you in, I don't know how you do it. I mean, I, unless you've got 
you know, some very specific design to your to your other meetings, the Sunday school type stuff, where you are uh, structurally, systematically putting together um, a teaching, a thorough teaching, which is going to be much better in many ways than than uh, Sunday morning preaching, anyway, as far as depth goes. But unless you have that, I don't know how you can get the truth of the word out to well, people. Well, and I'll say that's one thing that I've always, if you're not familiar with with our church services, that's one thing I've always liked about our, our <clears throat> the Sunday services. The programs have blanks in them, uh, and it's it's it feels often, especially I think when we're going through books like these, it often feels like a Bible study. And because you're, you're referring to passages from what, like you're, you're honing in on specific passages and then we're writing about them and this and this, and this. it's not just, and you know, we, we'll do series and like we just had a series on parenting and things like that. And that's, it still feels like that, but especially when we're focusing on a specific book mm. and then actually intentionally writing things and having that to look back on throughout the week, yeah. that to me feels more like a study approach or maybe a scholastic approach. And for somebody like me who enjoyed school that's that's uh i like that and it feels more you were a much better student than i was i think what you're the word you're looking for is giant nerd um so yeah that i i think that's for books like these that was school? actually my name in high school so yeah i think that's the way to go with with things like this well the 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 important part is that we're committed at all times to expository preaching right that, that's a hallmark of what we do uh i believe that it is one way or another, I believe that is preaching. Uh, that's my conviction that that uh, anything that isn't expository isn't truly preaching. Uh, there's debate about that, and somebody's going to be offended by it. Sorry. If that's the um, first thing you've been offended about, by this, that's podcast, then, then... then you just started listening <laughs> yeah. today. But uh, but in reality, uh, that that doesn't, uh, as you mentioned, that doesn't preclude doing topical things. Right. But you do that from uh, a a perspective of exposition sure. that we we look at we let the text determine the topic right we we um, we're not picking and choosing the things that we want which is why it's pretty rare for us to do topical series you know we did the parenting thing um, and we approached that from an expositional perspective to to make sure that we're saying okay what does what does the text say about this where are commands where do we see the the prescriptive where do we see the descriptive things right. uh and how do we put that together to connect the reality of God to the realities of life? We want to make sure that we are are actually doing what, what the Lord has in mind for us. So anyway, <clears throat> at the heart of this chapter is God at the center of everything. That's not really shocking. It's in the title. And, and so that's kind of no the spoilers point. spoilers here. Yeah. And, and so our core reality Sunday was that God requires his people to order every aspect of their lives around him. And we don't really like terms like require. That sounds harsh. Even as I was writing it, I'm like, oh, gosh, that, you know, Stings. that requires. Don't shouldn't we have more of an in love relationship Suggest. with God? We want to be in love with God and we should just want to do these things. Uh, no, that's not how things work. And and if we're honest with ourselves, that's not how things work in any aspect of reality. So I don't want to require my kids to take out the trash and do their chores. They should just want to do these things. Yeah, it's right. Like you obviously have never raised children. There's the movie The Breakup that. with Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. Never seen it, but I know the movie. There's yeah. there's a scene in that where they're arguing about something. Vince Vaughn, very funny. True. Uh, there's a scene in it where uh, she asks him to do the dishes, 
And he goes, fine, I'll do the dishes. She goes, no, never mind. And he goes, what are you talking about? She goes, I want you to want to do the dishes. And he goes, why would I want Nobody to do dishes? Nobody wants to do the <laughs> but dishes. That's what it's like the thing. Like, but the dishes have to be done. Right. And, and in much the same way that we need to understand, not to borrow things that have become uh, memes or... Uh, Everything has become a meme. The the reality is, regardless of where you stand, facts really don't care about your feelings. And somebody's got to do the dishes, period. You don't have to want to. You don't have to like to do the dishes. It's going to be better for you if you decide to enjoy it. Uh, my mom had a, a plaque on the wall growing up that you know was always in front of us. If you've ever been to my mom's house, it, there's plaques all over everything. But they taught us that there were you know purposes behind it. And one of them that's still in the hallway to this day, I believe, is happiness is not in doing what one likes, but in liking what one has to do. It's mm. not that I like it so that I do it. I have to do it. It's required. Therefore, I choose to like it. I choose to be happy about it. I don't want to do the dishes, but I can grouse about it. Or I can just get them done. Right. <clears throat> in the same way, I don't want to center my life around God. That's a full confession here. I don't. Nobody does. We don't. We want to center our lives around us and what I want. And if that sounds a lot like a like a fit-throwing toddler or a uh, selfish teenager, yeah, because that's basically who we are in our sin nature at our root. <clears throat> Toddlers and teenagers are just illustrations of the nature that we have within us. We all demonstrate it, but as we become adults, we get a little more subtle about it. We, we hide it But better. internally. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. How many times do you have that, that voice in your head saying the things that you would never say out loud, you know, to that driver that cut you off or, you know, those people things. do say it out loud. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's so many different ways that we cover up, right. but inside, you know, I, I say, I forgive you, but inside I'm still holding it against you. You know, Hey, we're good. No problem. But inside I'm still thinking these things. Right. There are so many people who are saying, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. The whole time you're judging, uh, you're just, don't even you're just judging inside or you're judging a no, different they're, thing. They're so I'm judging you for your judging. You know, it, even when you're not judging, we, we have a basic lack of honesty with ourselves in, in so many of these ways. Anyhow, if we're honest, we don't want God to be at the center. We want me to be at the center. Now, once we are born again and the Holy Spirit is in us, who we truly are, that inner person actually wants God at the center. But I still have this flesh that I have to deal with all the time. So as Paul said, when I sin, when I when I choose my way, that's not me anymore. That's not who I am. It's the sin still living in me. Right, because that has, we keep doing it. That, right, that gets the, it holds sway in that moment. Right. And what God is doing in a physical way here, and, and he's, notice he's doing it. It's not Moses, you know, saying, okay, let's do this. This seems to be the most strategic way. God says, count them up, put these people here, put these people here, put these people here, have them face the tent of meeting. I'm going to be at the center. Right. And God no longer speaking to them from Sinai, from outside of them. Now the camp is centered on him. Right. And <clears throat> this is the way they camp, as we read. This is the way they set out when they marched. So in this basic general order, they are oriented around him. This is to 
to illustrate to them, to their hearts, and not just to illustrate, but to practically continue to remind them that God is the center of their existence. Everything is made by him. It's made for him. It's made through him. The, this picture of anything in life being something that I deserve is absolutely ridiculous. None of it is mine. None of it is yours. It's all God's. God has allowed us to participate in these blessings. He has created us in his image. And so by creating us in his image, he has given a common grace to all people uh, that, that allows us some of his blessings. Mm -hmm. Some people, and according to scripture, we recognize that it's the chosen few. It's not the, the broad road. It's the narrow road. Some people become his children by being united to his son. So when we draw near to God, draw, God draws near to us. Because of Christ, we're able to be adopted and made right uh, and, and to actually become his children and be given full standing with the only begotten son. So in doing that, what was the hallmark of Christ as the son of God? He always did the father's will. Hmm. The, the father was the center of everything that Jesus did. To this day and for throughout eternity, everything for Jesus is what the Father wills, right? For us as those who belong to God, who are created for God, that was supposed to be our purpose from Jump Street. We were, we were created. So we were going to talk about Johnny Depp anyway. Uh, nicely played. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever actually seen the original? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not, not the later I movie. I saw that too. That... With Channing Tatum. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. The original was better. Anyway. And Holly Robinson Pete. Uh, anyhow. Oh, I didn't see that. She was. Oh, uh, in the first one. The yeah, first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, as we're um, understanding our purpose, we are created for God's pleasure, for, for his glory. Our sin takes him out of center. Or more specifically, allows other things to creep into the center. Right. Whether that's our, our family, our kids, our pleasure, our, all these different things that can, can get into the way. So when we see these actual you know, idols, carved idols, and, and so on in the Old Testament. It seems ridiculous. Well, it does. But it's, <laughs> but it, we do, it's no more ridiculous right. than what we do. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like It was just clearer right. when we see tribal gods, when we see you know the, the pantheon of Roman uh what we call mythology, right. they didn't see it as myth. They saw it as this right. is the thing. Um, if Gabriel Romans and Greeks, we say Riddick, he's going to be mad. I, you know, <laughs> sorry. And then he'll sorry, say, no, sorry. then he'll say words to you on Sunday morning that you'll say the same things. But anyhow, uh, as we're doing this, there is uh, there is a a need for us to worship something. We're, right. we're designed that way. Isn't we're, that a Bob Dylan song? It is indeed. You know. <laughs> Going to have to serve somebody, right? And as we uh, as we orient our lives, because we do, and we will, we build our schedules around certain priorities. We build our budgets around certain priorities. What God is saying here in this passage for all of us uh, is that He is to be the center of everything. Right. That's why the greatest commandment uh, Jesus affirmed Deuteronomy six five: Love the Lord your God with all you are with with everything heart soul mind uh, other gospels and strength so it, it, every part of you the 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 mental emotional physical 
volitional, intellectual parts of you, all of you, put God first. Worship God ahead of everything else. Have him at the center of your everything. So then we have to wrestle with how do we arrange that? Right. You know, there's because there's practical elements of our life that we live every day right. and we should. But when we do that, we're going to orient it around something. Sure. How am I going to choose? Might not be a big gold elephant or right. whatever, but. How am I going to choose to arrange my life? Yeah. What am I going to do with my schedule? What am I going to do with my entertainment choices? Right. What am I going to do with my cable package? Right. All of these things that, that we think about, how we take care of our lawn, you know, how we approach our career, showing up to work, taking our kids to school, interacting with teachers, all of the things that we do on a daily basis without thinking about it, we really have to be purposeful and intentional about putting him at the center. Okay, we will stop there because I think if we start anything else, we'd run out of time. It's not going to take you more than 60 seconds nope. to get through your I clothes, will speed right? through it. So thank you guys for listening today. Man, that's a slow yeah. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to send us a message. You can push it, push it real good. Uh, at something real at reallifeonline.org, which I'm sorry if you sent messages to that. Apparently it Isn't hasn't been. Oh, something happened to my YouTube thing. Um, something time. hasn't been uh, working. So I will get that up and running if you have questions or comments there. You can also leave messages on YouTube or Facebook uh, or leave us a voicemail at 269-756-RLCC or using the Anchor app. Cool, YouTube's gone. Um, but thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next time.